subscribe to this podcast to get exclusive access to the after show shooting the breeze welcome to the cool explorations podcast i'm your host tony peters today we will be talking to pastor david molesby uh, and he works for ptsd foundation of america as well as has road to hope radio so we're going to talk to him a little bit about uh, what the foundation does uh how it started and uh, a little bit about the radio program that he also has and uh, talk a little bit about uh, getting into depth uh, about PTSD and the effects that it's had on our, our, our war veterans. It's a very important topic and I think you'll enjoy it. Hello everyone, welcome to the Cool Explorations podcast. I am your host Tony Peters. Today we have Pastor David Molesby with us and he is from PTSD Foundation of America as well as Road to Hope Radio. So why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you currently do? Sure. Well, <clears throat> not a real interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, personal story. Just uh, my entire adult life has been some type of pastoral ministry and uh, leading people. About 10 years ago, uh, 13 years ago, we transitioned into working uh, very specifically with combat veterans dealing with combat related PTSD and dealing with their families. And so now I'm, uh, we have the radio show Road to Hope where we just share a lot of the stories of guys who've come through our program. And uh, I'm kind of heading up the, the part of our organization now that uh, trying to ensure we are here for generations to make sure uh, as our veterans and their families deal with PTSD through time, uh, we'll be here to, and ready to support them. So it keeps me, uh, keeps me hopping. <laughs> I, I bet it does. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little about your testimony as well and what God is currently doing in your life and, and working on you with? Yeah, well, for, for me personally, I uh, adopted at the ripe old age of three days old and uh, raised in a great family in Oklahoma City. Uh, attended church three times uh, a week and uh, more if there was a revival coming through, uh, went through and just felt a strong uh, calling in my life uh, to uh, pursue ministry. And that's what I chose to do for my college and seminary and just trying to do what we can to help as many people as we can. And uh, it's a strange journey, really, that kind of brought me to this path that we're on currently. But I would tell you uh, where I am today, what I'm doing today is what I hope I do for the rest of my days. It's uh, it's uh, one of the, it's the most challenging thing I've ever been a part of, uh, but it's also the most rewarding thing I've ever been a part of. To be able to see some guys come in who've been so dark and hopeless and just feeling like they've lost everything there possibly is to lose, including a future. Uh, many of them attempted suicide, some of them more than once, sometimes multiple years, even decades of self-medicating, and then turning around and now they've got a new life, a new job, a new purpose. They've got family, they've bought the first house, and they're happier than they thought they ever could be. And to see that transformation take place is uh the by far the most rewarding thing I've ever been a part of. Well, and it's, it's very important because I think our, our veterans are too often ignored uh, in society. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. 
Um, so where does your passion for veterans in particular come from? Well, I had some family uh, involved in World War II. Uh, most didn't hear really a whole lot of those stories. Um, you know, try to find out what you can generally after they passed. Uh, then for my first 10 years out of college, I worked for uh, a Marine veteran uh, that had lost his legs in uh, Vietnam in 1971. I traveled all across the country with him and a few places around the world. And uh, that includes some military bases and getting to meet an awful lot of troops who were deployed and uh, got to hear a lot of their stories, find out what was going on, came back and and we started this 13 years ago, just hearing what was going on in the veteran community or uh, post 9-11 guys coming home and homeless rates were going through the roof. Suicide rates were going through the roof. Uh, it's kind of, there's a verse in Lamentations talks about my eyes, what I see has affected my heart. And I just saw a, a great need that was not being filled. And the opportunity to step in and try to do something about it. So that's what we did 13 years ago. And God's brought us through quite a ways to see a lot get done, but we we're just getting started. We've got an awful lot of big plans that we want to see happen. Yeah. God works in such mysterious ways and in his timing, he brings things about and bringing you into people's lives when they, when they need it is, is uh, wonderful. Uh, can you explain the connection between veterans and homelessness? Because we see that connection in society so much. Uh, can you explain that? Sure. Well, <clears throat> part of the reason that I did get involved early on uh, at the time here in Houston, which is where we're headquartered, uh, the statistic was one out of every three adult homeless persons was a military veteran. And that was a that's a shocking number honestly, like these men and women who put the uniform on and went to various parts of the world and fought the most evil people in the world and come home and they end up homeless. How in the world does that happen? And there were a lot of gaps in the VA system, a lot of gaps between it that still exist between the transition from Department of Defense to the VA and handing those guys off, those men and women off. Those Many of those gaps and a lot of that communication still is a hindrance. Then, at least here in the United States, there's an awful lot of uh, backlash against the VA, and a lot of our veterans want nothing to do with the VA because they've heard so many stories about abuse, neglect, and all those types of things, so they don't want to reach out. Um, but homelessness is a major issue. Part of it is things like uh, PTSD and other mental health diagnosis. It, it's the driving force whether it's in the military or the civilian world uh, that really pushes people into homelessness. And we've got to do a better job both in while still in the military and uh, as a veteran of helping supply opportunities for uh, good, healthy mechanisms uh, of safety and going forward versus the unhealthy, which is often self-medication. And it just, that never leads to a good place. No, no. And uh, so what at the PTSD Foundation of America, what exactly do you guys do and hope to accomplish as people go through your program? So we have multiple programs. Uh, we have support groups 
through our national outreach program where we are dealing with uh, veterans who are at least to some degree still functioning in their society and their communities. They may be still with their family or may not still have jobs or going to school, whatever the story may be. They're still at least somewhat functioning and able to stay where they're at. And we run those support groups for those veterans. We also run simultaneously support groups for their family members and friends. So we have to help them understand why their loved one uh, came home different than what he was when he left. We have to help them understand it. We have to help teach them loving, safe boundaries. And sometimes the most loving thing you can do is say no. Um, So we do a lot of that. Our residential program, which is if folks know about us, is generally through that. It's what we call Camp Hope. And we bring veterans in from all across the country and uh, from every era of war. We have had Korean War vets. We have multiple Vietnam vets with us all the way up through currently, you know, guys just stepping out of Afghanistan. Uh, They live with us anywhere from six months up to a year or some even a little bit longer than that. And it's an all-day, everyday, peer-to-peer program, learning about PTSD, self-esteem, emotion regulations, anger management, all those kinds of things that can set them up for a healthy and successful future. And that's, at the end of the day, what we want. Uh, We want you to live the very best life you possibly can. And we want you to understand your life can be both meaningful and purposeful uh, going forward. And it's a lot of work. There's no magic wand. There's no magic pill. There's nothing like that. It's just hard work, peer-to-peer, holding each other accountable. But it does work. And we've seen over 1,600 veterans come through our program and go on to live some very successful lives. And uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to continue to do that. We have to grow our outreach, though. We have to. We're still losing more than 20 veterans every single day here in America. The same kind of statistics are true uh, in Canada. The same kind of statistics are true in Australia. The same kind of statistics are true in Great Britain. We have to do something. We have to step forward because the government's never going to fully be able to be the best answer. Uh, We believe people are always, always the better answer. Yeah, and I think it's very important you guys focus on the family as well, Um, because I know as someone who's been through PTSD myself, uh, I've Mm -hmm. took years of counseling. I still see psychiatrists every six Mm -hmm. months, Um, but for my family, understanding that is always a challenge because they're not going through it. They just see me going through it, so for them to try to understand it is difficult, so I'm glad that you guys do work with the families as well. Yeah, well, and you can testify since your family's going through some of that, how much uh, it doesn't make it easier for you, but it does make for a better atmosphere within your family unit, a better opportunity for you to continue to heal and do what you need to do to recover from your trauma. Yeah. Um, So also, you also have your radio, um, your program Road to Hope Radio. Is that more of a radio program? Is that more of a podcast um, what exactly is that and uh, what do you hope to accomplish through that program? Yeah, so Road to Hope actually airs uh, through a local radio station here in Houston. Then immediately after, like literally within two minutes, it's loaded as a podcast. Uh, so when we're, you know, iHeart, iTunes, 
Spreaker, all those places you can find Road to Hope Radio. Uh, but the purpose and the hope behind that is really twofold. One is to bring information. There's still an awful lot of misconception about mental health overall, but particularly about PTSD. And so we want to help bring information of what PTSD actually is and what it does. So, for instance, um, there was a terrible, terrible event that took place here in Texas a few weeks ago in school where a young man, uh, he describes someone with mental health, uh, went in and at the end of the day, 22 people are dead, uh, including himself. Yeah. Well, obviously, out of those kind of events come a lot of conversations about mental health. But the truth of the matter is mass shootings, as they describe it, it's four or more uh, being shot in some situation. Uh, they run the same kind of numbers as someone who's diagnosed with mental health as the general community. So in other words, a mental health diagnosis does not mean one is more likely to go out and harm others. The statistics and the data all point to the fact that mental health in turn, uh, causes people to harm themselves more often than harming somebody else. So it's a lot of it's just informing of here's the data. And I know we're all upset about what just happened. We're all upset about what just happened. We were shocked in Canada too. Yeah. So, you know, let's let the emotion set aside and let's look at the real data and the real facts. Let's look at the end. So that's the informative side. Then the other part of it is hopefully inspiring. We want to reach that veteran out there. Many times it's through a family member uh, or a friend that hears about, hey, man, there's a place. And I just heard a story that sounds just like my buddy. If they could help that guy, maybe they can help my buddy. So we want to we want to do that. And we've had many guys come into our programs because they heard about us through the podcast. So the power uh, of radio and telling the story. I know that's one of the things you're wanting to do with a couple of our guys in the program in the future. The power of telling that story. I've you know, lost it all. I've lost buddies in, in combat. Uh, I've been hit by IEDs. You know, whatever the story is, the self-medicating after coming home, the frustration of being with the VA, the frustration of family not understanding uh, hearing those stories, man, that sounds like my story. And now this guy's got a great job and a, he's happy and he's laughing. And I don't know if I could ever laugh again. And to hear those stories can be very inspiring to help somebody to reach out and start that journey. So that's, that's the other part of what we want to try to do is help somebody start that journey. Yeah. And that's exactly what we do on the radio. Like you say here with, uh, with the cool explorations podcast program is trying to reach people with, I always say, you know, one person's story may not reach one other person, but it may reach the next person. And it's that person that's important is reaching that person with, with a testimony and uh, trusting God to bring it to those people is, is key. And it's, it's amazing that what you get, the feedback you get, just being like, you know, this person's testimony, it really helped. Um, but a lot of people, like you said, they don't understand the mental health side of things um, and they don't understand PTSD. So can you give us a brief rundown on what PTSD is and how it really affects a person's mind? Sure. Um, PTSD kind of uh, in the very generic civilian context, it's 
uh, a very natural reaction to a very traumatic event in life or a series of traumatic events in life. A lot of it's pretty natural response. Uh, in our particular world, where we're dealing with combat-related PTSD, uh, I think the best way to describe it is just sharing a story. So one of our guys, 18 years old, when his boots hit the ground as a United States Marine in Kuwait, uh, all he's ever known is small-town Texas, mom, apple pie, Sunday school, and you know, living life, and everything's great. Then he sees the towers fall. He's, man, I'm going to join the Corps. I'm going to go do something about it. Boots hit the ground at 18 in Kuwait, but uh, someone walks up to him. His uh, commanding sergeant walks up to him and says, you're the guardian angel of this bus. And what in the world does that mean? And he hands him some ammo. And he says, you're the only guy on this bus that has ammo. And your job is to do this. And he starts listing off these 20 things that if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, put a bullet in this person's head. If this happens, put a bullet in this person's head. Imagine that as 18 years old. You know, I try to put myself in those. When I was 18, there was nothing even remotely close to putting a bullet in anybody's head for any reason. But there they are. That's how he got started. Then he ends up in Baghdad and he's kicking down doors and seeing things that no one should ever have to see. And they're going through that day to day routine. And we all remember those early days of what was going on. You know, IEDs planted everywhere. And he deals with that every day. Every kid, every person that he sees approaching is a potential threat to himself, but more importantly, to those Marines around him. Uh, every trash bag is a potential threat to those uh, around him. So he does that every day for a year. And he comes home and his brain can't rewire to his home. So he gets out of bed goes about it, tries to go about his day, gets in his car and walks out the door, actually, of his front house and sees there's trash at the front yard of everybody's house. And his mind is wired to think that could kill me. That could kill my family. That could kill my child. Well, no, it's just trash day. So everybody set their trash out for them to come by and pick it up. But his brain can't rewire to that. So it's wired to deal with the trauma. It's not wired to deal with, hey, you're back home, you're safe. Uh, that's what we see all day, every day, those kind of things happening. That's PTSD. That's that trigger, everything continuing to happen, the continued anxiety, the continued everything's a threat. And um, it, it leads to some pretty horrific places uh, mentally. Yeah, there's a filmmaker, I'm just going to look it up briefly while we're talking, um, who he, Eric Christensen, uh, and he just did a film, I'm just going to find his email here, um, that was actually very, very good on some of these people when they return home from the wars that they've seen, um, and it was very impactful, very, very well done documentary. And he covered many, many wars uh, in that documentary and the different people and the situations that they ended up in with their families. Um, so I just want to give people that name here. Uh, just going to look it up. Uh, searching for home, coming back from war. Uh, so that was a very, very good film that uh, he did and uh, he's going to be on the podcast section in September so I'm looking forward to that mm -hmm. but 
very, very good film that very much ties in with exactly what we're discussing. Uh, so I recommend people watch that if you want to learn more about the war veterans and exactly what we're talking about today. Um, go and find that film and uh, just give it a watch. It's a very well done documentary um, because, yeah, these war veterans, they they go literally go through hell and, and come back. And then they are expected, like you say, to just merge back into society and be functioning and uh, with PTSD and and war situations like that, it doesn't work that way. You're like you yeah. say, your brain has to try and rewire to adjust. So um, that is is extremely important. And God is a major tool in trying to reach people with with these situations. Um, some of them I know don't want anything to do with God afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some, God gives them a purpose. Uh, so how have you found? um their reaction to god being after they've come back and uh how have you found god helpful in reaching people in these situations sure well we we are a faith-based organization so we don't shy away from that conversation in fact that's how we begin the conversation once they're in our program with that said it's not what we lead with when we're trying to reach them when they're in a crisis situation it's it's more the norm to come in to our program very angry with God or even denying the fact that there could possibly be a God. That's more normal than someone coming in saying, you know, they're on good terms with, with, with God and have a relationship with him. So it's what we begin with once we're in the program, because any kind of calamity, trouble, hurricane, trauma, whatever, it's a very natural human response to ask, where was God? We, we've heard it throughout the history of man. Why does God allow starving children? Why does this happen? Why does God allow this to happen? Uh, so we're going to tell you, we're not going to answer the question for you, but we're going to sit down with you and we're going to walk you through this until you get your answer. You don't have to agree with me about my faith uh, or what I believe uh, but you've got to come to some kind of reckoning because 99.9% of those guys had some type of a relationship or understanding of God before they went into combat. It was deeply, deeply um, changed by what they experienced in combat. So that doesn't mean anything changed other than your experience and your view of him. It doesn't mean God changed. It means you changed. So let's, Let's take a look at that situation and let's figure out how do we fix this? How do we restore that? And that's really our goal is basically to restore what they had prior to combat. And if we can start there, then they can grow that and and develop that relationship with God as time goes forward. But the very first thing they have to do is come to peace with um, that was the enemy who did that. That was some very evil people in, some, in a very evil part of the world who did that. That wasn't God who did that. Uh, so we have to kind of let them work through that at their own pace. Um, but that's our goal. So we've talked about a little bit about Camp Hope, but what is the purpose of Camp Hope and how did it sort of become uh, one, of your, one of your main programs? Uh, well, when we first hit the streets in uh, Houston, meeting vets, 
going finding the homeless vets. Why are you here? Why are your family living in a truck? Uh, going to veterans related or, uh, events, finding the guys kind of on the outskirts that didn't want to, you know, step in and be a part of whatever it was. Found out very quickly, uh, and not surprisingly, uh, to ever help someone with their mental health diagnosis, uh, we had to help them with whatever the immediate crisis was. So for some, that meant we needed to put some air conditioning into their house or fix their car so they could get to, to work. We had to deal with the immediate crisis to where we could actually sit down and talk about PTSD. But a number of these guys were homeless or stepping out of jail or stepping out of a psych ward at the VA. Uh, so we had to have a place. We were putting them up in, uh, you know, in long-term hotels. We brought in FEMA trailers to house them just to get them off the street and into a safer place. So that's where we you know, bought the property that we have and started building out our campus. Uh, was the purpose was to get them into a safe place. That was really about all we could do originally. That's all we had staff to do. Uh, today, it's an all-day, everyday program uh, where there's, they, they start at 7 o'clock in the morning. It goes through 8 o'clock at night. And there's built-in break times, obviously. But it's peer-to-peer programs. They uh, deal with uh, licensed professional counselors each and every week. Uh, we now have a psychiatrist on staff. So uh, we, ha- we give them a well-rounded program while they're with us now. But the, it's, it's a long-term project. We've got Vietnam guys coming in. We have one come in uh, Sunday, in fact. And he, he said... When I met him, he said, it's, it's taken me 50 years to get help. It's taken me 50 years to get here. And, I, you know, first of all, when I hear that and I think about that, that's, that's awful. That's tremendously heartbreaking to carry that kind of guilt and shame for 50 years. But I'm glad he's here today. Uh, and we want to help those guys. We want to help them lay those burdens down. We want to help them. I, I can't change the last 50 years of his life, but if he'll give us the opportunity and work with us, the rest of his life can be changed and can be better. And we've got Vietnam guys who've come through our program that will tell you it absolutely changed their life. Um, and everything we do, by the way, is absolutely free. It costs the veteran and costs their family nothing. We'll fly them in from wherever they're at. And when they're done, we'll fly them back home. Uh, we take great care of them while they're here. And uh, we, we have a great community that helps us make all that happen. And in your program, you had talked to you about using the whole person approach. What is that approach and how effective is that? So physical, mental, spiritual. Um, we have a gym on site. Everybody does some PT every single day. And depending on, you know, <laughs> What their body is capable of doing is what that may look like, but everybody's involved in some physical activity during the course of the day. And uh, many times that's the first area where they see change. They can physically see the change in what's happening in their body by eating well and getting some exercise so they can see it. And that helps open their mind to, hey, if I can change that, then maybe I can change what's going on up here. So it's an important part of what we do. Then, of course, the mental side is what we work on just about all day, every day. Then the spiritual side is the part where, you know, government, like the the VA, doesn't want to have that conversation. They're scared to death to even talk about it. Our belief is 
you can't deal with something as deep as PTSD, which often includes for our guys, things like survivor's guilt or wounded heart. Uh, you can't deal with that if you don't deal with the spiritual aspect. So we deal with all three of those. And it's kind of like the three stick, three legged stool. You take one of those legs out. It's, it's not worth anything. It won't last. It won't support you. So we have to deal with all three. We want to improve all three uh, while the veterans with us. And how much success do you see throughout all your programs? Far better than any kind of a re- quote unquote recovery program. The vast majority of the guys, not all, but probably 85 to 90 percent of the guys that come into our program have a serious addiction problem, whether it's to alcohol or some other type of, uh, of drug. Uh, so we're not necessarily a recovery program per se, but it is part of what we do. We have AA meetings and A meetings throughout the week in addition to our regular programming. But uh, our success rates have been phenomenal. I can't tell you it's 100%. We have lost a few guys that have come into our program, and every single one of those uh, breaks our heart. Um, but uh, no one comes close to the success rate. No one comes close to the success rate that we've been able to experience over the last 13 years. Yeah, and that's really God at work. Uh, and how have you seen God at work in this entire process from starting it to where you are now? Well, 13 years ago, it was one person walking down the streets of Houston trying to help a vet. And we literally did not own a paperclip. We, we had nothing. We had a piece of paper that said we were a nonprofit. We had a passion and a belief that we could impact and help change, save some lives. That's all we had. Uh, today, 13 years later, we have a five-acre campus where we were housing up to uh, almost 100 vets a couple of times during the whole COVID uh, initial outbreak in 2020. Um, we have multiple uh, offices in different cities around the country. We've got 70 staff members full-time. Um, we don't owe anybody a dime. And to come from 13 years ago, not owning a paperclip to where we are today, where we have a small city on our little five acre campus in the north side of Houston, Texas, there's no explanation for it but God. There's just none. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to, to watch God work and just mm. bring things about. Um, where can people find your organization online if they were to want to go and check it out? Sure. So the website is PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSDUSA.org. Uh, social media, PTSD USA on Facebook and Twitter. I think on Instagram, it's PTSD Foundation, I believe. Uh, but if you just look at PTSD Foundation America on any of those uh, platforms, you'll find us. Uh, Road to Hope Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, just look for Road to Hope Radio. And there's five years of stories on there. Um, so, and again, everything we do is free, but on our website is all the information about uh, not only Camp Hope, but also our warrior groups and our family support groups. And I've not mentioned, we have also um, here in Houston, we have one in-person uh, meeting for first responders and law enforcement. That's also That's available. That's also available through Zoom online. So all that information is there. 
And so obviously someone can be literally anywhere in the world and be a part of our support groups, uh, whichever one you fit into and everyone's welcome into those support groups. It's nice to see you supporting the first responders as well, because that's a, that's a big one. I know they deal with a lot of the same type of emotional Indeed. wreckage from that. Um, how is the government failing the war veterans right now? And what should they be doing better for the war veterans both while they're deployed and when they get home? So this is anecdotal, but I think it gets the point across. Uh, I was uh, driving into the office a couple of days ago. My phone rang. Somebody said, hey, you listen to some particular radio show? I said, no, I'm just, you know, dealing with traffic and trying to get to work. And they said, well, somebody's probably going to be calling you because a veteran from, you know, another state called into that show and they were they were really upset and nervous about what was going on. Um, so while he was calling me, telling me that this was going on, the a host of the radio show called me <laughs> and told me what was going on, put me in connection with that veteran. When I talked to that veteran that morning, he said, look, last night I was in a dark place and I was scared. And he said, I called my local VA and the VA said, it'll be three to four weeks before somebody can see you. And it set him off. And he said, look, so if I broke my leg, I could come in today and you'd see me. But because of some mental health, you're going to tell me you don't have time to see me for three or four weeks. Are you serious? So I think that literally just happened two days ago. I think that tells the story and answers your question about as powerful. I mean, we talk all day about the VA's failures. They are vast and many. With that said, I do think they're trying to make some improvements, but it's, it's just a massive bureaucracy and it's going to take uh, a lot of years to to fix that and a lot of persistence. And I don't know if politicians have that kind of patience or persistence, either one. Or, or uh, that's they why really care. <laughs> yeah, that's why nonprofits have to exist, not to overtake those things, but to be an alternative and to fill in those gaps. Yeah. Yeah. I have often thought it's a, an atrocity. You can ask my wife. I've discussed this with her a few times about how uh, terrible I think it is what we do to our war veterans. We ship them off to to who knows where and expect them to fight for our freedom and die for our freedom and watch their friends die for, for our freedom. And then when they get back, we're just like, well, now you're just going to be cast aside and, and, you know, we don't have the time or energy to put into dealing with you. And I'm like, when they get home, there should be automatic counseling for them, their family, just no question about it. That should be just included in that and following up on them often to make sure that everything is okay. Because it is just too often that they're just kind of abandoned and they feel that way. Oh, they definitely feel it. They, they definitely feel it. And there's a lot of opportunity for the VA to improve itself. And, uh, you know, I, I applaud every improvement that they make, but they've got a long, long way to go. And why do you think that uh, the governments are failing? Like, why do you, do you think it's laziness or is there just too much red tape? Well, I think, you know, with, you know, the, I'm older, as you can see on the screen, but a lot of things have changed in the last 20 years with, uh, with the internet, 
apps, cable news. So a news cycle changes about every 20 minutes now, it feels like. There's a new story that everybody's supposed to be mad about and a new group of people that we're supposed to hate. And they're always reacting to whatever's on the news as opposed to just stepping back and let's see what's actually going on and fix what's going on. So no one talked about the VA in, in Texas or in the United States until a story came out. I think it was in 2014 about a Phoenix VA hospital that was creating fake waiting list so that they could earn bonuses for the staff. And it's, it's literally criminal what they get away with. But until that gets found out and on the news for a minute, nobody pays attention. Well, that news story lasted uh, for a minute, but at the end of the day, the, the, the head of that VA hospital who created that fake list, which resulted in people dying, let me just make it very clear. It resulted in veterans dying, still waiting to get the care that they deserve, and we promised to them as a nation. That, med- uh, that director of that hospital still got their, their bonus, still got their job. You know, in if that happened at any corporation, any corporation in the world, the board would fire them and probably make sure they got put in jail for doing something like that. Exactly. Um, one thing that really hit me was uh, when our own prime minister, Justin Trudeau, was asked about war veterans and what he was going to do for war veterans, because he, this war vet was speaking out at, at this meeting and saying, you failed us. What do you plan to do to to help us? And his response was summed up by, we don't have time and we don't have money. And I was just like, I'm like, excuse me? Mm -hmm. They put in so much time to protect us and keep you in your cushy job as prime minister and keep you and your family safe so you can spend your money and keep doing all the scams and frauds that, that you do as a prime minister. And yet you don't have time or money to help this person get better and recover afterwards. You don't have time or money. I was like, give me a break. This person deserves your time. He deserves your energy. And you're just telling him he's worthless. That's what you just told him. And I was appalled. Yeah, any veteran in any country is the only reason we get to do the things that we get to do and enjoy in life. Uh, we enjoy an awful lot of freedom, both in my country and your country. We have a lot of liberty. The only reason we have it is because there are some men and women who are willing to take the oath, put that uniform on, sign a blank check, including up to their life, so that you and I get to create a podcast to, to go to the store we want to go to, to go to the restaurant we want to go to. They're the only reason we get to do what we do. And they should be priority one, not what's left over. Yeah. My son's in cadets. Uh, he wants to get into the air part of cadets too. Yeah. And uh, it scares me that definitely if that's what he wants to do though, I, I won't, I won't discourage him, but um it definitely scares me because i know i have seen a lot of what happens to our war vets when they get home and uh, so it it does scare me but i it is necessary to have those people 
who are willing to do that and able to do that. Um, and if you could give one piece of advice for someone who is battling with PTSD, uh, whether it's a war veteran or someone else who's in a different type of uniform, um, what would that that advice be? Well, you know, people always like to say, reach out, reach out, reach out. And I counter that with, well, if a person's really you know, struggling with mental health and they're hurting, they're probably not the ones that are going to reach out. Uh, so it's got to be somebody that reaches out for them. But hopefully, before you get in too dark of a place, my encouragement is this. Whatever the trauma, whatever the trauma, you're not the first one to experience that. And you're not the only one currently carrying that kind of trauma on your shoulders. I'm a firm believer that a peer-to-peer program, whatever it is, uh, whatever the trauma, whatever the shared experience. So. I deal with an awful lot of folks who reach out to us after their loved one has become a statistic. One of the things I always encourage them to do is find a suicide uh, support group that you can attend. But it's true whether it's uh, whatever the trauma, find some other support system that is filled with people who have shared that experience and are somewhere further along in their journey of what that experience is like and what to expect and what uh, mistakes they made in dealing with it and what they've learned and how they are currently coping and, and living a happier life than they thought they could. There's an awful lot of support out there available for people. You just have to be willing to go find it. And that carries some shame, unfortunately, because of the way the world looks at mental health. But that's why as they look beyond just the world, look beyond just the general go see a psychiatrist. Not that I'm against that. That definitely has a part in it. But find others who have shared, have the shared experience you have, rape, you know, some sort of sexual trauma, whatever it is, find somebody else who's gone through it before you did and learn from them. And it's, I promise you, there's support out there. Uh, it may take you a minute to find it. If you need help finding it, uh, we deal with combat-related PTSD. So anyone that calls us, literally anybody that calls us, and this is my trauma, we're going to stop what we're doing. We're going to take time to find something in your area, wherever you live, that can support you in your recovery from trauma. There are people out there that do care and want to help. Uh, so if you're having trouble finding that, give us a call. We have a crisis line, um, and it's not really set up for that. But we do if that's, if that's all you got, reach out through our website or through our crisis line, and uh, we'll find something in your area that can support you. Uh, it, it works. Yeah, it, it does. And counseling and psychiatry is, is very, very important. I found absolutely um, both the non-christian counseling i got as well as the christian counseling i got they both focused on different areas and between those years of of that counseling i was able to come to a point where i could forgive and i could move on and and start functioning that doesn't mean i don't have moments where you fall back into that but it it helps you come to that moment where you can just be like i can help other people through what i'm doing and that's part of what I do on, on, on this podcast is I help other people through through my experiences as well as through other people's experiences. 
and uh, organizations like yours are, are very, very important. So thank you for sharing with us today. Um, and uh, I look forward to speaking to some of the war vets who have actually been through your program. We've got a couple of great stories coming for you, so uh, get ready. Yeah, we do. I'm looking very much forward to another one this afternoon. So looking forward to it. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Equal Explorations podcast. Today, we were talking to Pastor David Mulsby about uh, PTSD Foundation of America and Road to Hope Radio and the effects that PTSD has had on our war veterans and the approach that they've used to, to help this and, uh, and deal with this. So thank you again for, for listening, and I hope you'll tune into the next episode. Well, I have just been uh, blessed with so many people who are requesting to be on the show, and I'm impressed with how many people want to share their testimonies or what they're doing uh, for the Lord right now. Uh, if I haven't got back to you, I promise I will get back to you. Uh, I look forward to, to speaking with each of you and interviewing you. And uh, keep tuning into the show. There, there's lots of, of new people that are coming on here. And if you're considering wanting to, to come on the show, uh, just shoot me an email at tpeters745 at gmail.com. And uh, I will get back to you.